Let's pray. Gracious God, again, we thank you. We have so much to thank you for. Lord, everything that we have comes from you. And Lord, we know that everything we give is already yours. So Lord, we thank you for the giving that is um, happening here at West Church. And we pray, Lord, that as those people give, uh, Lord, that you would bless them. Um, and Lord, that you would remind us, Lord, that everything that we give is already yours. Lord, bless everything that is given and use it to the end that you are glorified and Jesus being lifted up in the hearts of those who do not yet know him. We pray, Lord, that your kingdom would be expanded, that your name would be made famous and that people would be saved. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. All right, if you have your Bibles again, um, we'll read from Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, I think we have it up here. Oh, yeah, cool. <clears throat> so you'll notice that there are two different um, bunches of verses there. It's because uh, these two paragraphs that we're about to read, they're sort of like the bread, and um, there's this part in between that sort of makes up the sandwich, which we're skipping this morning because we talked about it last week. So Mark chapter 5, from verse 21 to verse 24. And then we'll skip a section and go straight down to verse 35 to verse 43. This is God's word. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Now down to verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitakumi which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray for his blessing. Lord, we've come this morning and have read your word. Lord, we understand that unless you open our ears and open our hearts, all that we will be doing is making noise and listening to noise. So Lord, we ask that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bless us this morning. Open our ears, open our hearts. Would you show us the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you show us ourselves and show us how much we really need him? We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Mark is continuing a mission. And we find out what Mark's mission is back in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And if you remember what he says, he says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
So Mark's mission is to tell us the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, not just any old Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ, the son of God. That's his mission. That he, that's what he wants to do. And so we see him chapter after chapter reinforcing his mission. We see him chapter after chapter solidifying what he's doing. So what he wants us to know is the good news. And it's not just any old good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And he wants us to know that this is, in fact, Jesus Christ, the son of God. And so passage after passage, he shows us why we can trust that this is Jesus, the son of God. If this is Jesus, the son of God, he, he better have power over sickness and ill diseases and, and health issues. And we see that just in the passage that was gone, gone by last week, there was a woman um, and she came and she had this problem that she had for a long time. And all she thought to herself was, if I could just touch the edge of Jesus' robe, I'll be healed. And she was healed by faith. Not only that, but if this really is Jesus, the son of God, the eternal one who has come to dwell amongst us, human beings, putting, putting on our human flesh, then he ought to have power over nature. Wasn't he the one who created nature? Then he should have power over nature. And he displays that he calms a storm, a storm that was so severe that people who were fishermen for their whole lives were scared. And so he calms the storm. If this is Jesus, the son of God, he better have power over the demonic realm. If the demons can come and give him a hard time, then he can't be Jesus, the son of God. And he shows us his power there at the start of chapter five. He cast out a demon and people are just shocked and scared. And these people actually reject Jesus and tell him, can you please go away? He also heals a man um, back in the early chapters, a man who was in the synagogue, who was demon possessed. He tells the demon to go away. And there's no struggle. There's no big battle. There's no fight. The effects are immediate. Jesus says something and it happens. So Mark is concerned to make sure that you and I understand that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. This is Jesus Christ, the son of God. And if it's not Jesus Christ, the son of God, then this is not gospel. This is not good news. That's what he's up to. And this chapter and the two paragraphs that we've read today is just another nail that Mark is putting into this coffin. So we know this is the son of God. How do we see that he's son of God now? probably one of the most amazing ways so far he has power over death so that's what mark is showing us that this is jesus the son of god and this is good news and i'm backing up that this is good news because he has power over death seen anyone else have power over death don't think so jesus has power over death and he displays it through this miracle and what i think we should remember as we walk into this passage is that miracles the best use that you can have for a miracle is that a miracle is a window. So when we look at this miracle, it's like a window. And if all of us went out to that window over there, you know, none of us are going to go, man, look at the double glazed glass on this thing. You know, look how awesome this is. The, whoever cleaned this window is amazing because it's so clear, so shiny. I bet if, you know, someone ran into this window, it, it'd, it'd be bulletproof. You know, we don't go up to a window and just look at the window. That's not what windows are for. We don't go and in amazement, look at a window and go, man, this is what it's about. 
this is where we should get stuck in, at looking at the window. That's not what we do. What is a window for? Is to show what is on the other side. A window is for you to look through and to look at something else. A window is not the point where you get focused in. And if that's what you do with a window, the windows become a distraction. So as we come to this miracle, this miracle is a window that helps us to see into a reality that is greater than the window itself. So as we look at this miracle, we don't get bogged down in the miracle. What is this miracle showing us? How is this miracle showing us that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that this is good news because that's Mark's mission here in this passage. So let's look at this window and then let's look through this window. So Jairus is a ruler of a synagogue. And back in the days of Jesus, there were rulers of a synagogue. Sometimes there were one, sometimes there were many. And Jairus was one of these leaders. Um, he was a ruler. And Mark makes a point of making sure that we know who this guy is. He says ruler four times. So this guy is a ruler. He's a respectable man. He's got a high position in society in this age. And this man is in such a desperate situation that he has no regard for his public image right now. Now, what is it that has got Jairus in such a situation? Why is Jairus just disregarding what he looks like publicly? He doesn't care what people look like. He doesn't care how people look at him right now. He's in a situation where he is just desperate. And desperate times call for desperate measures. And this respectable man falls to the feet of Jesus. He's on his knees. He's begging. It says here that he implored Jesus. He's begging him, saying, please, I know that if you come and if you, if, if the equation is Jesus plus sickness, it'll equal healing. That's what Jairus comes to Jesus with. He has a trust in Jesus and a faith in Jesus that Jesus can actually heal his daughter. And um, he comes to Jesus with a, with a pretty big problem. The problem is his daughter is sick. The problem gets worse. The people come back. There's a crowd that come back and you look down at verse 35. While he was still speaking, they came from the ruler's house. Some who said, your daughter is dead. Now for Jairus, this is the worst possible news. There is nothing that you could have said to Jairus at this point. That was worse than that. You could have said, Jairus, your house is on fire. Uh, okay, well, I just, I'm still focused on getting my daughter healed. Jesus can heal. So let's just worry about that. You could have said anything to Jairus and it wouldn't have been as bad as your daughter is dead. Look at what these people say to Jairus after they tell him the bad news. So this is the worst possible news. So they say to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? In other words, Jesus, you can trust them to heal, but he can't bring someone back to life. Jesus is capable of many things, but this is outside of the power of Jesus. So this is beyond his scope as a healer. You know, a doctor can do a lot of work with a sick person and they can do nothing with a dead person. And so this is the kind of belief, this is the kind of um, mentality that these people have as they come to Jairus and Jesus. They say, look, he could have helped, but she died. So now he can't help. So why waste his time anymore? 
Why bother him? Why take up his time? He could have helped before, like 10 minutes ago, if he wasn't distracted by this woman who needed to be healed. And if he wasn't slowed down by this crowd that was pressing on him, he could have helped. But now he can't help because this is outside of his power. And the problem here is the unbelief of these people. Um, They came with the worst possible news and they thought that it was a deal breaker. So I want you to remember a couple of phrases, the worst possible news, the worst news possible, the best reason possible. So these people actually came with a better reason than Jairus came with. Jairus came with a good reason. My daughter is sick. She's almost dead. That is reason enough for me to disregard my public image, fall on my knees in front of a huge crowd and beg a man, Jesus Christ to come to my house to heal my daughter. And if he just lays his hands on her, she'll be healed. So these people have limited Jesus. They've come with a bad reason and they've come with a worst reason. And now they've limited Jesus because they think Jesus could have helped with the bad one. He can't help with the worst one. What they didn't understand was that they came with a better reason for Jesus to come to this house. So they came with a bad reason. She's going to die. That's what Jairus said. And these people from the ruler's house, they come and say, she's already dead. You were too late. You were too slow. She's dead. Now, what is a better reason to go to the doctor for? A stub toe or you just got shot in the heart? Obviously, the worst, the problem is, the better the reason is to go to the doctor. But they thought Jesus was just a doctor. They didn't realize that he had power over life and death, which Mark wants to show us. They've come with a better reason. They've actually come, humanly speaking, with the best possible reason to approach Jesus. The worst possible um, news is the best possible reason to come to Jesus. In other words, and look at how Jesus reacts to this. He, He overhears this conversation that's going on between Jairus and these people. They say, you know, stop wasting his time. Don't trouble him. This is beyond his help. In verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Now, why is this the best possible reason to come to Jesus? And why would he say, do not fear, only believe? Because he he backs up this whole thing. Jairus actually develops his trust for Jesus. His trust started with, if she's sick, he can help. Now his trust is, oh, she's dead, and now he can help. So Jairus goes with um, Jesus back to his house. And look at the result of this faith and look at the result of the power of Jesus. Verse 37, he didn't want anyone to come in with him. He he just limited the group of people who could come. So it's just Peter, John, and James. And then again, when he gets to the house, look at verse 40, when he says to them, she's not dead, she's sleeping. In other words, she's not beyond my help. I can wake her up. She's not beyond what I can do. I can get her back standing up. So it's it's as easy for Jesus to bring a dead person to life as it is for you and I just to go wake someone up. So this is not beyond his help. He can go do this. And look at how these people respond to Jesus. There, there is a, a crowd, probably some of them were paid to be there. In Jewish customs, you would hire people to come and, and mourn and cry and play the flute. And there was like a whole band who would come in and do all this stuff. And this is probably them. Verse 40, verse 40, and they laughed at him. Why would they laugh at him? Well, they laugh at him because they limit Jesus too. They've said Jesus could have helped before, but he can't help now. This is beyond 
Jesus. So they limit him. But verse 41, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And what happened? Verse 42. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. And then eventually she had some food, started eating. In other words, this was the best possible reason to come to Jesus. Not only can he heal, but he can bring people back to life. So the worst news that you could have is the best reason to possibly come to Jesus. And now to help us actually understand what this means for us, what I want to ask you is what is the worst possible news that you could hear? The absolute worst. And if it's the absolute worst news that you could possibly hear, um, is that the best reason for you to come to Christ? Now, I, w- I want to tell you what is not the best possible reason to come to Jesus. Like I said, this is a window. If you think I'm going to die one day, I, I want to live again. And then this girl, she eventually died again. So if, if your thing is, well, I'm going to die one day, so I want to be brought back to life, but then I'm going to die again. Um, that's, that's not the best reason to come to Christ. If this passage, if this miracle is a window, what is it showing us on the other side? Now, the worst possible news, humanly speaking, for Jairus was your daughter is dead. The worst possible news for you to hear is not your daughter is dead. It's not your son is dead. It's not you are dying. That's not the worst possible news that you could hear. The worst possible news is God is holy and you are not. The worst possible news that you could hear, the biggest problem that you are facing right now in life is that God is perfect and you are a sinner. That's the worst possible news that you could hear. And that when you die, you, sinner, like me, will stand before God, a holy and just God. And if God is good, you will be punished. If God is crooked, if God is, if God is out the gate and just wicked and, and he's unjust, you might get let off the hook. But he's not like that. He's perfect. He's holy and he's just. And if he's all of those things, when you meet him on the day that you die, the worst possible news that you could ever hear is that you will die forever. That you will enter into eternal punishment because that's what you deserve. That is the worst possible news that you could ever hear. And that's the worst possible news that every single person in the world um, is met with. It's a reality for everyone at every time and in every place. That's the worst news that you could ever hear. Now, what's the best news that you could hear? What's, what's the best reason that you could come to Christ with? That very reason. If you think, oh, you know, the best thing that I can come to Christ for is, you know, I'd like a job promotion. or I'd love my kids to listen. Um, or, or I'd love to win the lotto someday. Or I'd love A, B, or C. Then those are reasons not good enough to come to Christ with because you haven't dealt with the biggest reason, you being a sinner and God being holy. That's the best reason to come to Jesus for. Um, Verse, uh, look again with me at verse 36. When Jesus overhears what these people are saying, what does he say to Jairus? after hearing the worst possible news that he could ever hear. He says, do not fear, only believe. 
Now, if we limit Jesus to a, a guy that can help you get a job promotion, if we limit Jesus to a guy that can help you get through society a little bit easier, if we limit Jesus to just a person who can help you have a meaningful sort of health, wealth and prosperity sort of life, then you've limited Jesus. And um, you will die and not have the biggest problem that you've ever had dealt with. But Jesus is much more than that. Um, in John 11, there's the same problem. There's, I don't know if you remember Mary and Martha, they had a brother named Lazarus. Lazarus dies. Jesus doesn't come straight after she dies. Uh, he dies. He comes four days after. And what do they say to Jesus? Man, if you had been here before, he could have lived. Um, they limited Jesus again to a healer. But what does he say to Martha? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, they shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. In other words, this miracle is a window for Jesus to show that he is the resurrection and the life. That he will not only save you from your death, but save you from the eternal death that is waiting for you on judgment day. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus deals with the worst possible problems? If we didn't believe that, if we believed, oh, you know, Jesus could only heal, but he couldn't bring back to life. What we could do as a church to be really pragmatic is to put a little questionnaire out the front door, maybe 20 questions to try and gauge how good someone is. And we could score them. And if you're above 50, hey, it's worth you coming in because then you might be saved because you're sort of good enough to hear the gospel. And you're sort of in a place where you can actually be saved. And if you score say 49 or under, I'm sorry, but there's sort of no hope for you. You're beyond the help of Jesus. He can't actually help you right now because you're too bad. You know, a person who would think like that thinks this. Jesus, you're so lucky that I scored 50 plus and the how good are you questionnaire at West Church. You're so lucky that I scored above average because now you can save me. If I scored lower, like those other people scored lower, oh, there'd be no hope for me. You know, if we think like that, what we think is, you know, what point is there in evangelizing? What point is there in preaching the gospel? Because most of these people aren't that good. And most of them won't score above 50. They're not going to be above average. So what's the point in going and preaching the gospel? You know, if we thought like these people, limiting Jesus, we'd be a church that wouldn't even bother talking to people about the gospel would be a church that's so sort of self-deceived and thinking, lucky for Jesus, I wasn't dead in my sins and my trespasses. Lucky for Jesus, I wasn't a person who was totally wicked and evil. Lucky for Jesus, I was above average. Now he can save me. My friend, do you think like that? Does that ever cross your mind when you think, oh, man, you know, it's not even worth my time preaching the gospel to this person. Now, why even worry about that co-worker that I have? Why worry about that cousin that is so out there that, you know, he, he or she does this thing and that thing. What's the point in preaching the gospel to them? If God could save you, he can save anyone. That's what we ought to realize. If God could save you, he could save everyone. Paul says about himself. That it's a trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. 
Paul adds on, of which I am the foremost. We must think like Paul. We must think that we are the foremost of sinners. You must think like that, that you are the worst sinner out there, just like Paul did. And that's who Jesus comes to save. Jesus comes to save those who are dead in their sins and trespasses. He doesn't need to save someone who doesn't need a doctor. He doesn't need to save someone who thinks that they could pass a questionnaire and then be here and they could help Jesus save themselves. Jesus does what is beyond what you can do. Jesus saves only evil people. If you are saved, it's because you were wicked. It's because you were evil. It's because you were dead and your sins and your trespasses. Jesus Christ has never helped a good person. But we must have that in our minds. He has never helped a good person. There is no good people for him to help. If we all answered that questionnaire, we would be all zero. That's where we would be. So the better questionnaire is two boxes. Tick one. You're, you're a sinner or you're perfect. The only person who attends church on Sunday who ticks that perfect is Jesus Christ. No one else. The rest of us tick that other box. Just do you understand that that's the box that you tick? Is what you must understand. You must get that clear. That has to be in your mind. Otherwise, you don't need his help. And apparently, he needs your help. Friends, he is the resurrection and the life. And he deals with the world's biggest problem. And if you have the world's biggest problem, like I know you do, and I know I do, that's the best possible reason to come to him. He's not limited. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we see in this passage just the raw display of your power over death. And calling this young girl to life, Lord, we see how powerful you are. And that she responds immediately. There is no delay. There is no fight. There is no kicking and screaming. Death is defeated when you call someone back to life. And Lord, we thank you for the window that that gives us. When you call dead people and their sins and trespasses to life, they come to life. Lord, we know that if any of us here have any spiritual life, it is because you have called us to life. Lord, we thank you that you are not limited. And that anyone here who is a Christian is proof of you not being limited. And Lord, we also understand that you have never helped a good person. And would help us to have that ring true in our minds, that we never be self-deceived, so we would never think that we helped you at all in our salvation. But Lord, also that that would give us confidence that if you could save us, you can save anyone. So Lord, help us. Give us a heart that is compassionate for people who are lost. Help us, Lord, not to be discouraged. Help us not to fear. Help us, Lord, to instead only believe. Thank you, Lord, that you have given yourself to us to believe in. And thank you that when we believe in you, we believe in a sure foundation, one that can never be shaken, one that will last, one that will even overcome judgment and wrath. So, Lord, help us to stand there and help us to trust in Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.